Hi, everyone. If you've uh, listened to previous episodes, you were probably expecting some music at this point, and I will get to that really soon, I promise. But this is actually our 20th episode, and so I thought we'd try something a little bit different. Um, so back when I started the podcast, uh, which is almost a year ago, I don't actually think I thought I would get to 20 episodes. Um, not actually sure where I thought I was going to get at all, but here we are, and if I can say so, I think we're still going strong. Um, one thing I'd say is that we never would have gotten here if I hadn't gotten some, some serious help, um, and not least from our guests who are always willing to come on and talk about all the interesting things they've been doing. That's been great. Um, but probably the biggest thing that's enabled me to do the show is really the fact that I get paid to work on it. I mean, you know, I, if I didn't have my Friday time that I was able to devote to this, there's no way I'd be able to, to, to do it. So, uh, given that this is our 20th episode, um, and it's a bit of a milestone for us, I thought maybe I would, uh, take this opportunity to thank, uh, Relevance for being the sort of place where I can not only have the freedom to, like, pursue an interesting idea that I had, but to get support, too. And that's everything from just being able to say, look, I'm going to spend my Fridays doing the show, to having, uh, Michael Parento, uh, do the cover art, to just all sorts of stuff. I mean, I, I can ask for help, and I get it, and it's been great. Um, so thank you a ton to Relevance. It's, it's really super cool. Um, so since I'm coming on to kind of jabber in your ear a little bit, I thought um, this actually might be a good time to talk about a few other things that have come up um, in the course of producing, you know, 20 shows, uh, but that they never really seem to find a place in the show itself. Like, um, for example, not everyone seems to know that we have show notes <laughs> where we captured links and information about all the stuff we talk about in the show, or all the major stuff anyway. Um, and so you can go to thinkerelements.com slash blog, and you can look for the entry that corresponds to the episode. We always have an episode for every, uh, we always have a blog entry for every episode. And if you look there, you'll see all the notes with the links to everything, and uh, of course you'll see the cover art that we, uh, well, that the, <laughs> not me, <laughs> that, uh, that our artists here at Relevance create for, for the episodes. Uh, another thing you can find on the blog is information about what Relevances are up to. Um, it's November 9th as I'm recording this. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the show up you know, early next week. Um, so, you know, the big thing for us this month, and quite honestly for me, like one of the highlights of my year, is Closure Conj in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, a ton of rel- people from Relevance, Relevancers will be there. Uh, I'm pretty sure actually the whole company <laughs> is going to be there, uh, with maybe a couple exceptions, certainly the majority. Um, that makes sense, of course, since we're putting it on. So uh, I hope when you see one of us from Relevance, you'll come up and say hi. We would definitely love to talk to each and every one of you. Um, that's certainly true for me. I love, love, love talking to our listeners um, you know, about whatever. I mean, if it's just something you hear on the show or something you think we could do better or just whatever. I mean, even just what your favorite episode was. Please, please come up and find me at the show, uh, at, the, at the Conj. Um, at the Conj, uh, one of our very own uh, Relevancers, Mike Nygaard, will be presenting about complexity. And if you've never heard two words out of that, if you've ever heard two words out of that guy's mouth or read his book or had any contact with his, you know, the product of his brain, you'll know that you're not going to want to miss that. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Um, like maybe you caught his talk in, uh, in San Francisco earlier this month at QCon about how to exploit uh, loopholes in CAP, the uh, Consistency Availability, Availability Partitioning Triangle. Super interesting stuff. He's just a really bright guy. Uh, and he'll be speaking later this month uh, in Melbourne, Australia at Yao 2012, too. So you can catch him there if you happen to be down under. Um, there's another thing that uh, it surprises me that I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever mentioned on the show, which is uh, Relevance is a consulting company, and we would love to work with you on your project. Um, so 
Maybe you've heard us talk about things like how we run projects or the company culture, or you just thought, man, there's some really cool stuff that people there are working on, um, and you'd like to work with us, give us a shout. Uh, you know, you can reach us through the website at thinkrelevance.com. You can catch us on Twitter at thinkrelevance, uh, or you can email us uh, at info at thinkrelevance. Um, and on a similar note, we're always looking for more awesome people to work with, so if you think you might want to join up, um, you can figure out how to do that from the website, too. Uh, so, all right, all right, so in a, in a second here, I'm going to stop jabbering at you, and we'll play the intro music um, to what I think was a really fun episode. Uh, I, uh, I got a chance to talk to Kevin Altman, Jared Pace, Michael Parento, and Jason Rudolph about their participation in the 2012 Rails Rumble, uh, which is a really cool event. It was... Uh, it was really fun to talk to them and to hear about one of what's got to be one of the craziest coding efforts I've ever encountered. It, you'll, well, you'll hear more about it in the show, but it was it was especially fun to record the episode on that day because the Rails Rumble is a contest, um, and the day we recorded was the day the results uh, were announced. Uh, but uh, you, again, you'll hear more about that in the episode. So anyway, thanks for listening. Listening, I will shut up now and let you enjoy the episode. Uh, thanks. October 19th, that's a Friday in 2012, and this is Think Relevance, the podcast. Today, we are on with Jason Rudolph. Hey, Craig. Uh, Kevin Altman. hey Jared Pace. How's it going? And Michael Parento. Hey there. Hey, and the reason we're having these guys on today is, well, I guess we'll get to that in a minute. I uh, almost forgot the first and most important order of business, which is uh, the music. And we actually had a little discussion right before the show and decide, uh, the, uh, these guys decided collectively uh, what they want to come in with. So I'll ask uh, Jason to let us know what that choice was. Well, as soon as we announce what today's episode is all about, you'll know that the song picks itself. So we got to open the show with Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger, all right. And I, and I can't imagine there are too many people who are listening right now that didn't already know that after about two seconds after the music kicked in. But uh, awesome choice. And I agree that you're right. That is a fantastic choice for this uh, episode because today we're here talking to these four guys about the uh, 2012 Rails Rumble, um, which is, we'll get into what it is in a minute, um, but uh, it, it was a super exciting event that these guys uh, did, and there was just so much energy around it um, over the last week that I knew that we had to um, bring everybody together to talk about it. Um, so, um, uh, Jason, maybe I can kick off with you and, um, and, and say, for, first of all, what for anybody that doesn't know, what is the Rails Rumble? Uh, So the Rails Rumble is a competition wherein you have 48 hours uh, to put together a Rails app from scratch and deploy it, Uh, and up to 500 teams can enter. So this year there were 500 teams uh, that entered, and on a team you can have up to four people. And that team of four people gets together, and at uh, midnight UTC last Friday it started, and it went until uh, it went for 48 hours, and then it was done. Uh, and it, after that point, you had to have uh, tagged your repository in GitHub and to have deployed that tag uh, to the Linode server that they provided. 
and sit back and wait for judges and the public to try out your app and figure out uh, which ones uh, they liked best. And so, uh, which is, is really cool. I mean, 48 hours, obviously very, very intense. Um, and I was, I was hesitating for a minute, trying to think whether we should save the, uh, the news, like how did you guys do? But I just think it's so awesome that, um, uh, how did you guys do? Uh, uh, Michael, why don't you let us know? How did you guys make out? Oh, yeah, we placed 10th, man. It was, pretty, of, it was pretty cool. Yeah, out of 500, that's really impressive. Congratulations to all you guys. I mean, I know that you worked really hard, um, and we'll, we'll get to exactly how hard in a minute, but that is really fantastic. I know looking through the entries that there was a lot of amazing stuff, um, but, you know, your stuff was really, really cool. Um, so, uh, Kevin, you are the sole person who I haven't recorded an episode with, so I wonder if I could tap you um, for a minute to talk about what the application you guys built in 48 Hours was. Okay, so uh, if you think about it, um, there was this glorious time many years ago when music wasn't just going to a website where you would, uh, you know, record a mixtape. Uh, and we tried to capture that as best as we could. So basically the idea is you go to goodmix.fm, you search for the songs that you want to add to your mixtape, and then you share it with a friend. So it's all about recapturing the essence of, of that era of making handcrafted mixtapes for your friends. Yeah, and if you look at the website, it, it really evokes that. I um, mean, you guys used a lot of stuff that kind of makes that, that analogy really face forward. Isn't that right, Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, um, I mean, right from the, from the start, I think focusing on the, the tapes and the idea around the tapes and, and visuals around that was really important. Um, so uh, day one, kicking off, uh, I went totally heads down into making tapes and, and uh, spent a good amount of time just on, on getting the tapes right. Yeah, you look at the web, when you walk up to the website, for anybody that hasn't seen it, the site is at goodmix.fm. Uh, there's a big, giant, like, old cassette tape right in your face, and uh, um, you, you know, so it's funny, when we were talking uh, on Monday morning after you guys had finished up and everybody had a chance to look at the, uh, the website, and, um, you know, people were making various comments, and one of the comments I heard was, oh my God, this thing looks like, it looks like a, the sort of prototype that you would get if you went to a, like a design firm and they spent you know a month or a month and a half like cranking out some really cool looking you know flashy thing that you could take around and do for investment um, and you know little things like um, maybe not so little when you think about it but little things like the the little cogs on the on the cassette tape turn when the music is playing so it's a very very cool sight um, so. Uh, there's a ton of things to talk about here. I mean, starting with, um, and I'll, I'll turn to Jared. Um, so th this is 48 hours, obviously a very, very short amount of time. Jared, were you guys awake like the whole 48 hours, or how did you, how did you pull that off? Uh, I think everybody just worked whatever they were uh, comfortable pulling off. So I think uh, the first night, uh, everyone worked from anywhere from uh, midnight till 5 a.m., I believe. I think Michael stayed at the latest. Uh, I crashed on the floor at the relevance office around 3 a.m. and woke up again at, at 6 or 7 uh, and then get started the next morning at 8. So um, 
most of the morning started around eight and uh, either ended um, at the deadline time or around midnight to three or four a.m. depending on the person, how much energy they had to left, how much caffeine they had during the day. <laughs> was that hard? I mean, was it physically? I, I mean, I have to assume the answer was yes. But what was that like to to stay up and code insane levels like that? Uh, so it wasn't. For me, it wasn't as bad as I, uh, I feared it was going to be. I think because we had uh, we had so much to do that time really went by quickly. Um, but I was definitely uh, feeling tired by the third day for sure. Yeah. Just, go ahead, Jared. Oh, uh, I was just going to say just mentally drained. Yeah, the time definitely flew. Um, and when you think about sleeping, it was really important to me to make sure that I got some decent sleep because. Uh, I knew I couldn't hang with these guys if I, <laughs> uh, if I was only going on a couple hours of sleep a night. And on Friday night, I went home and had every intention of getting six hours of sleep. Um, but I was able to fall asleep uh, for about three hours and then woke up at three o'clock in the morning with, uh, with my mind racing um, and kept trying to go back to sleep just to no avail. Um, and then came in and started rocking out and was able to get about five hours of sleep the next night. So only really eight uh, collectively, but... Uh, not because that was my plan, just because the whole weekend was so intense that my mind wouldn't let itself go to sleep. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think that was true for me too. Um, I had every intention of going to sleep at certain times, but I would just lay in bed uh, thinking about all the things that I had to do and thinking about all the ways to do it. So um, sleep did not come as easily as I had hoped it would, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Um, in a good way. Uh, so one of the questions I was wondering was, uh, one of the things I was wondering rather is, how did you guys organize yourselves? I mean, you got four people, obviously you can't all be hunched over one screen, there's simply not enough time, you have to parallelize. How did you split up tasks and delegate and, and, and still come together to make decisions? Well, I'll talk briefly about uh, like how we formed the team to begin with because I think that leads into it. Um, so I was really excited about participating in the Rails Rumble, and so I approached uh, Jared about participating as well, and he was like, I'm in. Um, I'm like, okay, well, so there's, there's two developers. Uh, before I figure out what we want the, the two other people collectively to be, I know I want at least one of them to have some serious design chops. Uh, chops. So I went to Michael, and I said, Michael, there's this crazy thing. It's 48 hours. He's like, oh, right, I judged that before um, I want in. I said, so Michael, what should we do with the fourth person? Uh, should it be another developer, or, or what would be the best skill set there? And Michael, do you want to jump in and talk about uh, your suggestion there? Yeah, I, I, uh, um, I actually was just like, man, we, need, we, we should get Kevin. <laughs> uh, Kevin specifically. Uh, you know, I remember thinking about it, and it was just like, you know, uh, Kevin's got like high energy. You know, we totally love to like participate in this sort of thing. Uh, he's got good front end chops. He's got good artistic chops. Uh, just everything. Uh, you know, he's a real well rounded designer, a real technical designer. And uh, I felt like uh, from a, a team uh, dynamic, it would it would have been a, re a really great fit because we could uh, distribute. Uh, the different types of, you know, uh, roles or responsibilities uh, between, the, uh, you know, on the front end and the creative side together. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that stood out to me, Michael, was, I mean, you guys call yourselves designers, but you're, you're so much more. Uh, and both you and Kevin are actual artists who create traditional uh, physical world art. And you mentioned how useful it would be to be able to have two people that were so interchangeable in that way that one of you could go 
uh, jam on cranking out custom artwork for the application while the other person is um, you know, turning out uh, HTML and CSS for the various parts of the app or the interactivity uh, via JavaScript. And that's definitely what we saw. Yeah, actually, I would say I would say I would take it even farther, which is you said that um, you know uh, Michael and Kevin aren't just designers, and I've had a chance to work with both of them. Um, and and Michael and I actually talked about this on the show is that you know that that designer, the idea of a designer being a a thing that you the thing that you are is wrong, and that it's 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 a thing that you do. Because mm -hmm. I would actually consider I think that uh, Michael and Kevin both, if they went to um, a lot of shops, would would hang with the developers. Like they're both technical to you know, where they would they would be able to fill that role in yep. addition to the other roles they fill. So I when I heard about your team makeup, I was almost like, well that's cheating. <laughs> that's like you got six people, yeah. right? Yeah, to tell you how much, how far these guys are willing to stray out of the designer role, I was making fun of Kevin because when we decided that uh, we needed to, well obviously if you're making a mixtape, you need to store the songs that are in that mixtape and you care about the order. Uh, so we had a unique identifier for every song that we got from the GrooveShark API. Um, and I was sketching out the data model for how we were going to, going to store that. And, and Kevin came up to me and he's like, why do you need to store that at all? Uh, if you just take the, uh, the list of song IDs, unique song IDs, and you hash them in some way and use that to create the URL, then when a request comes in, you can reverse engineer it and figure out what the mixtape was. To which I warned him, if you keep talking like that, they're going to take away your designer card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you were talking a bit about um, how you guys organized yourselves. We had gotten, to, you know, you got you got this team together, and now you're moving into you know, implementation, and you got to figure out how to split up tasks and how to how to actually achieve this goal of finishing in 48 hours. Yeah, and I think Jared was really the one that came up with how we wanted to break up the work. So I threw that over to him. Um. Yeah, I think it just came kind of naturally. Uh, I, uh, I, so GoodMix.fm uh, plays music via GrooveShark, and we were, um, I was initially doing research in which provider we'd use, GrooveShark or RDO or Spotify or some combination. Um, so since I was already doing research on that, I volunteered to uh, take over that effort, um, uh, which left uh, Jason, the other developer, to work on um, all the Rails integration and uh, creating mixtapes and all the flows, and then um, I guess uh, I guess Michael and Kevin kind of coordinated between themselves to figure out how to best split the design work. I think it worked out pretty well, though. Um, I ended up mostly uh, working uh, creating CoffeeScript copy to uh, do all the player and the interactions, and um, Jason worked on um, API integration and um, the Rails controllers and stuff like that. Uh, Michael or Kevin, you guys want to comment about how you guys organize the work on, on your side of things? I'm curious uh, Michael's take, but I would say from my perspective, um, I think that Michael and I both are pretty comfortable shifting gears, uh, and we talked roughly about concepts that we wanted to work on, uh, and just kind of like I would just rely on Michael that he knew exactly what he was going to do in that space. Um, and he would just go do it and totally rock it. Um, and if I needed to shift gears, you know, we would just swap back and forth based on what the project needed at any given time. Um, but with with like a rough foundation of the things that we wanted to work on, whether it be um, animations at one point or tapes at one point or art or you know uh, the CSS and HTML, whatever it was, I think um, 
we just were really good at uh, uh, switching tasks. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, you know, like it's interesting because, like, one, uh, you know, like one, one of the things that um, is allowed uh, before the rumble starts is you're allowed to do a lot of the thinking and planning. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, there was definitely a time period, like, you know, I think two weeks before uh, we started sketching out, like, some of the, you know, like, I mean, we've been having conversations, you know, when, when this idea had come up to do a rumble uh, where we talked about different you know, things that we could build or what were some of the ideas that we might have had. And he started, you know, Jason started an email list and we started, like, you know, mailing around ideas and things like that. But we settled up on, you know, and, you know, we started drawing it out, um, you know, a couple weeks in advance. Um, you know, I think, like, the week before, uh, ended up, you know, having a, a, you know, a discussion, sort of getting on the same page, you know, just sending the wireframes around and things like that and just sort of getting, you know, getting, getting it all sorted out. And, um, and I remember at the beginning, um, you know, like, like Kevin's totally right, like in terms of like on the front end and the design side, it was, it was really like, you know, hey, so how, how do we want to do this, you know? And, and, you know, I remember like, you know, like Kevin kicked off on the uh, uh, cassettes and, and really sort of like got the look and feel down for, for those. And, uh, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time on the wireframes up front. So I, you know, it, it made a lot of sense for me to jump in and just write markup, you know, straight. HTML without even any style, uh, get that in the app, and um, you know, sort of, you know, it started to get more and more polished uh, from there. I, I'd say. You, so you actually um, you mentioned something that I wanted to hit on. Um, you talked about the fact that you were allowed to do as much thinking as you wanted to beforehand. You couldn't start coding until uh, I guess it was midnight. Uh, is that midnight? Midnight UTC. UTC. Okay. For us, it was eight eight p.m. Okay. Eastern time. So you couldn't. You had a, a window where you couldn't code out, outside that window. Um, so, the next, I want to ask this question, and I want to be clear before I say it, that I'm not talking about things that I've seen you guys do, this is about stereotypes. Um, because I think they're, they're to some degree correct, and in general, harmful. Um, and so it's interesting to hear how you guys did it as quickly as you were able to in light of this. Anyway, I know I'm being vague, let me just say it. Um, so again, this doesn't apply to you guys, but I'm saying, oftentimes what we see are that you know, people who work in Rails are, are very are much more likely than the community as a whole to be um, interested in agile development practices. The two things they don't go hand in hand, but they're they're strongly correlated. And if you look at um, the community of agile practitioners, um, there is a tendency to be dismissive of uh, big design up front, right? It's a it's a pejorative term, right? It's it's considered a bad thing. Um, but if you think about the format of this contest, right? It, it, there was really, I suspect, and you can confirm this or and tell me I'm wrong, that there really was no way to get it done in 48 hours unless you did a lot of planning beforehand. Uh, I don't know if anybody wants to comment on that. Uh, I'll jump in. I, so I think, our, um, I think our feature set is pretty small when you look at it. It's basically search for songs, add them to a playlist, and then uh, share the playlist. And we, we discussed a ton of other features um, that actually uh, we didn't have time to implement, but just going on that, I think it's uh, we all had a we all shared a pretty clear vision of what that meant that that small core feature set, and people just kind of built it out, and um, each person was responsible for kind of using their judgment to make it the best experience. So we didn't do it like a whole lot of wireframes, like this is how it's going to look, this is how the interaction is going to be. It was kind of up to um, whoever was implementing it at the time to use their best judgment and and for. Uh, the rest of the team to give feedback when we pushed our changes. I definitely think, Craig, that's a, it's a good question. We did uh, planning and whiteboarding up front 
Um, I, if I had it to do all over again, I would have done even a little bit more. Um, I mean, I remember on Saturday morning, uh, first thing I did when I came in was sketch out the data model because we were ready to store the data at that point. And I totally could have done that beforehand. That's uh, well within the rules. Um, and that would have saved me time then. So, but I wonder if you could bring that back to my question. I mean, which is, and I know I realize that, you know, 48 hours, whatever you get done, you get done, mm -hmm. um, is not the same thing as let's go build a, a product, right? I mean, you guys did in a, in a very real sense build a product, but at the same time, that's not how we work most of the time, right? We don't have problems that neatly fit into that scope. But is there anything kind of in what I said, you know what I mean? Uh, is there is there a sense in which yes or no in which um, you know by doing this you guys change the way you think about you know the ratio of thinking to typing or where the thinking should go relative to the typing again I know that you guys I'm not I'm never, not saying that you guys fall into that classic trap but just wondering whether there were any lessons along those lines that anybody kind of realized through doing this exercise crickets. <laughs> Not for me. I mean, it very much represented, I think, the, uh, the typical approach that we take. Um, I mean, I consider what we did in the, the week running up to it to be this typical sort of business analysis that we'll do before we um, tackle a project, very much the iteration zero style of business analysis and making sure that we had a clear vision of the one most important goal for the application and a rough uh, flow of the experience through the UI, and that um, that drove the rest of the decisions along the way. Okay. So I think I think uh, maybe uh, Craig, this is this might be poking at what you're asking. I think that uh, we had the capability to plan for months or weeks, even uh, what we were going to do. But I, I think that we we really just uh, did all of that planning the week before. Um, which fits in just like Jason says with what we naturally do. So I don't think that we we fell into um, any large scope of planning before we kicked off. It felt very natural in, in what we normally do. Okay. Cool. Uh, that was uh, I just I was just curious about that. Again, you know, it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, these guys normally just dive in and go without a roadmap. Not you guys, but no. If, I mean, I do feel like it would have been uh, quite a disaster and a different experience if we had sat down at eight o'clock on Friday night and said, okay, what are we going to build? Right. <laughs> or we know we want to build this, um, and what APIs are we going to use? Was there anything that you guys did in particular beforehand that, as you were going through the implementation phase, that you were like? Oh wow, that that was really a good thing that we did. That I, I would say for me, it's um, all the research I did on um, the uh, GrooveShark API, and I actually um, sat down and like uh, wrote sample card code just to figure out how it works because it's it's a fairly complicated process beforehand, um, just so I, that I was familiar with it, um, which is totally in the bounds of of the rules and stuff. Uh, there's yeah. even the uh, there's even actually the ability if I if I would have had more time to actually um, say oh well GrooveShark is a common thing we could have totally built all that code up front for interacting with GrooveShark and then uh, shipped the gem uh, you know the day before the event and then pulled that gem in. Gotcha, and that's totally cool with the way the rules work. 
Yep. Yes. Uh, I mean, they say, um, you know, if you have a gym that is generally useful or something like that, then totally fine to build that beforehand. Uh, if you think that you can sneak your controllers and views into some gym and you're just going to import that, uh, well, A, you're a jerk, uh, and B, <laughs> you're going to get found out. So no gem install, good good mix, and then you're done? No? No. Okay. Oh, that's cool. I, I mean, I don't want to, uh, so I'm curious if, I, I, we can, there's lots of other questions I want to ask you, but that, that one to me is such an interesting one. I wonder if anybody else has anything to say about, you know, things that happened in the planning phase that were particularly helpful. Well, I think one of the things that I did uh, was I, I spent a lot of time researching SVGs. I think that uh, going into this, um, I had wanted to use SVGs for various reasons. And, and what, I, what I'm talking about is we uh, use SVGs for all of the cassette tapes. Um, and I was, I was very scared at first of using cassette tapes. Um, and I kind of, uh, through working through some of the SVG stuff and um, figuring out how some of the more complicated aspects of it work, um, kind of nullified some of those fears uh, and allowed us to uh, get through the cassette tape stuff a lot easier than we would have otherwise. That's cool. Um, so one question I have for you guys is, uh, uh, would you do it again? Yes. <laughs> I would. So, go ahead, Michael. I said, yeah, I would. Yeah. I'd do it again. I might, I might need some downtime. <laughs> I, need, I think I need enough time to, uh, uh, to forget about um, the, uh, the mind-racing stress of it uh, to, uh, to trick myself into doing it again. It was, it was a fantastic experience, um, but uh, it was definitely taxing in many ways, too. Uh, what about you, Jared? I would say the same as Jason. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, interesting because... Uh, we kind of had a split there, right? And the designers were on, on the, and I, I mean, let me be clear, the reason I think that happened is because those guys are badass and I think they're tougher than me as a developer. So uh, I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, uh, if you did do it again, um, what would you do differently? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, th I think about it as, uh, um, as a series of compromises that would probably be made uh, along the way. I think I, prob I probably would have spent more time up front, um, you know, and, and uh, being a little bit more explicit on uh, prioritization of, of features and storytelling. Uh, so in other words, um, you know, like, you know, like, 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 I think that there's a certain level of polish that, that makes a lot of sense. And then there's like, at, at times there might be, there might be moments where it's like, yeah, you know, good enough. <laughs> Good enough, and um, you know, uh, I, like story is really important. And um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that stands. I think we lost Michael a little bit there. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, one of the things that stands out along those lines is the attention to detail, especially from Michael and Kevin, is so incredibly impressive. Uh, and one of the things I know that Michael was super excited about, and and I think is fantastic. Uh, and it's a good example of the attention to detail is we created a Twitter account for the app. So it's at GoodMixFM. And uh, we weren't content with just having a Twitter account for the app. Uh, we wanted it to have um, just amazing custom artwork for its background, which of course if you're on a mobile device you never even see, right? So we're like, okay, the subset of the population which is on a full desktop browser, which goes to this use, you know, goes to GoodMixFM on Twitter, should see this awesome custom artwork. 
we totally could have done that after the competition was over, right? But we didn't. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited that we have it. Um, but the time that we spent doing that could have been spent yeah. on something else during the competition. Yeah, it could have been, it could have became tooltips. It could have became, uh, you know, a, a, a telling the story about some of the features we knew that we had to cut. Uh, that could have, that, you know, could have sort of told, um, maybe made it a little bit more clear about how we were really interested in, in you know, sending good mixes and uh, and then being it's sort of a personal thing, you know, or you know, um, yeah, like adding adding just a little extra little bits of polish, the drag and drop and sortability of of the uh, playlists, uh, some of the features that people have already been shooting back at us as things that they were interested in. Um, yeah, like <laughs> we totally could have done that Twitter background after the competition. And that would have been the kind of thing that would have, it is exactly what I'm talking about in the sense of um, prioritization and just being really, really clear as to what what kinds of things uh, we absolutely need and should be spending time on and what kinds of things could be, identifying things that could be done after the competition is done. Right, and one of the, I mean, the very first thing that I would do with that extra time that we got back is uh, make it clear that if you visit the app on a device that doesn't have flash support, hint, 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 totally. anybody that's using an iPhone and seeing these tweets come across about mixtapes that people are sharing, you know, they're following that link and they land on the site and they're like, wow, that's cool cover art. Uh, it's a really beautiful site. Uh, if, what do I do here? Do I, do I press play? Well, when I press play, it doesn't do anything. Um, and I really wish that we had, uh, had budgeted in enough time in order to just be able to say, hey, we see that you're visiting on a browser that isn't Flash. Hang on, we'll, we'll get to you soon with a story. But uh, I just, it, it feels like a bummer that people might have showed up and been confused mm-hmm. in that situation. Kevin, did you want to add something? Yeah, I think that that's it. Uh, I would have, I personally would have uh, spent more time on uh, the interactions with the playlist. Uh, so how you actually add songs, I think that, uh, you know, that's something that um, would have been really nice to have uh, some more enhanced features for, like, for example, being able to use your keyboard to go through the playlist and hitting enter to add a song. I think things like that really, really touch people. Uh, uh, and, you know, um, we just didn't get to it. So, so that actually uh, leads me to a the, one of the other questions I would ask you, which you guys, which is what what happens to GoodMix.fm now? And you going to keep working on it, or is it you know was a contest? It was fun, but I've I've got other things I want to do, or what's the what's the story for it? Well, I was expecting Michael to speak up, so I'll go ahead and say yes. <laughs> yeah, we we're gonna, we're, I plan on keeping working on it uh, for as long as uh, the team will let me. I'm 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 concurring with Kevin. We'd love to work on the project. I, I think that would be really cool to make it better. It'd be, uh, um, be really really awesome to figure out how it is that uh, if it's if it's a potential that it could support itself. Uh, you know, the API costs money. Uh, you know, um, you know uh, the hosting, the domain name, all that stuff. You know, it'd be really it'd be really really cool to, to see if uh, if there was a way that it could take it support itself, and you know, and, and you know we could continue to work on something really cool. Yeah, it's definitely been really cool to see people using it. Like Michael showed me today a tweet where, um, you know, somebody um, made a good mix for their brother for uh, their birthday. They were t- 
as far as we can tell from this person's Twitter profile, like they totally unrelated to the Rails Rumble, they just landed on it and said, I'm going to use this to give a gift. Uh, and so that seems really cool. Uh, it's nice to support that. Uh, for me personally, I definitely did it just to have fun. Um, didn't, didn't do it to win, didn't do it to start uh, um, to, to create a startup or to start a product or anything like that. I just wanted to spend uh, a weekend hanging out with these guys uh, creating. Cool. Uh, what about you, Jared? Are you in for are you in for some more work on Good Mix FM? Um, yeah, I think uh, there's some stuff I can uh, help with. I'm not sure that I'm like uh, wanting to support a product, but I think um, I can definitely throw uh, a little more time in to create some features. Maybe get it off of uh, the paid group Shark API and and go to like a fallback RDO or Spotify strategy so, so we don't have to pay any money there. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do. Cool. So uh, backing out to the contest uh, at large, um, 500 entries, that's a lot. Uh, did you guys uh, have any favorites other than your own? I mean, you know, I, I, I really only looked at yours and I, I thought it was awesome. I suspect that the fact that nine other entries finished above you guys means that there was a ton of really cool stuff. Does anybody have any particular favorites? Uh, the deploy button was pretty sweet. Deploy button? What's that one do? I didn't see any of them. The deploy button? I thought that one was pretty sweet. Find things was pretty sweet. But the one that won is actually pretty amazing. Uh, that landing experience, uh, going through and seeing the, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, find, find movies or find uh, TV series uh, in your country, uh, and it's basically like you land there, and they've got some like really cool transport uh, being in a plane of of um, oh geez, it's like a it's just like a field of, of of movie covers or whatever, like you know, all in like a flat plane coming in from the distance, like Star Wars or something like that. It's 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 pretty awesome. It is absolutely gorgeous and definitely a useful tool as well. Uh, you know, you're, yeah. somebody, somebody tells you you should watch this TV series um, and you're not sure whether it's available on Netflix or iTunes or Hulu or something like that. And obviously all these different things are, their, their availability varies based on region. And so you just say, hey, I'm interested in watching Breaking Bad, which everybody should, uh, and you type that in there and it detects where you are. Uh, based on your IP address, and you can override that if you want, and it shows you which seasons are available on which services and has direct links to them. So that's pretty handy. That's cool. And that, that was the one that, uh, that won outright from the judges, and the opening experience is, is absolutely gorgeous. It definitely takes your breath away. Oh, I'll definitely have to check that out, and it actually sounds like something I would use. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, well, as does Good Mix FM, don't get me wrong there. Um, so... Another question I want to ask you guys as we kind of start to wind down here a little bit is, um, and we touched on this a little bit already, uh, but I want to ask it more directly, which is, uh, did, you, did you learn anything? Uh, did you learn anything from working in this way? Did you learn anything from this particular app, um, from working with these people? Are we, were there any lessons in this that you can take and apply to your other software efforts? Um, maybe I'll start with Jason and we'll work our way around. So I really, I don't think I learned anything brand new, but it really uh, re-emphasized um, something that I felt and that is, uh, that is hard to get across, uh, especially when you're working in a consulting engagement, when you're working on somebody else's product. They own the product. We're there to advise, but ultimately they own the product. Uh, 
So we really defined what the most important vision was for the product up front, and we wanted to keep a really strong emphasis on creating and sharing mixtapes, uh, or good mixes as we call them. And it could have gone in so many different directions, and we had uh, a bunch of other ideas uh, but the, the 37 Signals guys, I think when they did their first book, Getting Real, one of the sections in there they had uh, was on building half an app, not a half-assed app. <laughs> and their point is, like, you don't need every feature, but the, feature that you put, the features that you choose to put in there should represent the essence of your product, and they should be finished with amazing attention to detail and have a, provide a solid experience. So we wanted creating and sharing uh, to be fantastic. Uh, which means that we, we left some very other obvious things. The second half of the app, totally gone. Like, where are my mixtapes? There isn't my mixtapes. And yes, we'd like to have that. That's a natural thing that people would want. But it's not as important as creating and sharing. Um, and so there's no user authentication or no registration, which are natural follow-ons. Uh, and there were a ton of other ideas, like the notion of forking a mixtape was one of my favorite ones. <laughs> I like that. And the things that you could do with that. Uh, but they weren't essential to the first 48 hours into the first experience. And um, I'm really glad that we got to drive the product in that direction with that kind of focus. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, Michael, what about you? Anything that you, that you learned from either the experience or the app or anything along those lines? Uh, well, you know, it, <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, I think it was... It, Maybe I don't know if it was. I mean, I feel like I'm always learning, <laughs> learning, you know, learning uh, like every step of the way. Um, but I think that there was uh, some strong validations of uh, when you put, um, you know, uh, four people together with a, a good range of skills and uh, respect for each other, and um, you know, open communication and the ability to, you know, sort of get together and. Um, you know, jam for a really, really tight time constraint. Um, it's, it's. I'm really proud of the work that we did, and I think that we got a lot done. And I think that, like, you know, um, that's. It's not something that that you see on a regular basis, day to day, and it's definitely not the way that anybody would actually want to work day to day because I slept six hours through the entire 48 hour uh, uh, trip. <laughs> but uh, um, I, you know, like with that said. Um, it's just an estimate to when you have a little bit of passion and a really good team and, um, you know, uh, everybody's on the same page, you get a lot of really cool stuff done. Cool. That's great. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Jared, what about you? Any, uh, any lessons learned from this? Um, let's see. Um, I guess it's just kind of like reaffirming uh, kind of the process that I have. I mean, we um, we definitely took a lot of shortcuts around uh, unit tests. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, unit tests are awesome for uh, ensuring quality. And I'm, uh, I feel really lucky that we were able to ship and not have a ton of error messages come our way. Um, but yeah, uh, we were heads down going fast. Um, and it, it was awesome uh, working with... Uh, it was super awesome working with a 50, a 50 uh, dev designer split, um, and I wish that more projects uh, were, were set up that way, for sure. So, Jared, you mentioned something about unit tests uh, that you and I know about, uh, but can you provide some of the context about why you mentioned unit tests and, and how that's noteworthy on this project? 
Um, yeah, so uh, I would, uh, so a lot of people uh, mention that, or say that unit tests are kind of like a safety net, um, which is uh, sometimes used uh, as an almost derogatory statement, right? Um, like, oh, well, um, you can't super, you can't rely on your unit tester. Your unit tester is only as good as they're written. Um, but that is a safety net that I would be glad to have it. I mean, it, um, we're, we're in there, we're writing code super fast. Um, we don't have any kind of uh, test to run, automated test to run to um, give us any comfort that the changes that we're making to the code aren't breaking existing features. Um, and we're basically uh, pens down, not writing any more code at the end of the competition and then shipping it out for um, the judges to see and not, and we don't have a huge amount of confidence that um, that under load the test is this uh, the app's going to behave a certain way or uh, bugs are going to be found um, so it's, it it definitely adds a lot of stress um, and not something I wanted would want to do uh, uh, in a project product long term right so yeah we very much approach the code as in uh, like Craig we often talk about technical debt on a project um, and the technical debt that we were worried about was anything that was going to bite us before the competition ended in 48 hours. If we thought that we could live uh, with um, technical debt for 48 hours, we, we um, incurred it because like, you take on debt in order to get a benefit, right? And so anywhere that we could do that, we did that. So I'm curious then if you um, and I don't I haven't forgotten about Kevin, but I want to talk about this while the while the topic is uh, is current. Um, so does that mean that uh, do you guys think that you if you as you take good mix forward that you have now are in a place where it makes a lot of sense to stop and pay down that technical debt? You know, no new features, but let's fix the code up or or whatever form that takes. You know, maybe production readiness stuff, error handling, unit tests, that type of thing. Is that kind of where you're at right now? I mean, I think of Aaron Bedra's talk that he was giving for a while called The Art of the Spike. Um, and I think of this as like a spike or a prototype. And in the purest sense, the thing that you're supposed to do now if you want to carry the product forward is throw it all away yep. and start from scratch. Um, there's some nasty code in there, Craig. Yeah. I, I mean, I can imagine. I, I, I mean, it's hard enough for me to think about programming for 42 out of 48 hours and I'm sure that whatever I came up with would be a pile of goo compared to uh, the, you know, I don't know what's behind it, but what you have on the front of it, the part that you look at is, is really very, very nice. You guys did a great job with that. Um, so I'm gonna come back and, and pick up for a minute because uh, you know, Jared said that one of the things he learned was that uh, working with a one-to-one -one ratio of developers to designers was actually really cool. Um, and as it turns out, that's exactly what Kevin and I have been doing for the last two weeks. Um, and it's been a really great experience, um, particularly because uh, the project that we've been working on has been um, uh, more uh, designer focused, right? Rather, rather than let's go deal with some nasty software, and some of that is, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, figuring out the interactions and the, the visual aspects. It's been very much the other way. So I've been absolutely in the other seat, um, and that's been really cool. Um, so that, that leads very well into asking Kevin. Um, what his lessons learned were from from this experience. Yeah, I I don't think uh, I think uh, it it reaffirms something that I already knew, which is these guys are total badasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I think just working with his, these guys um, and and seeing how um, when you surround yourself with with people that are talented and w willing to uh, 
have intelligent conversations uh, and, and actually get to the heart of if, if problems come up, um, we have to fix them. And, and they're totally willing to do that, uh, which, which is totally awesome. And, and I, I feel very privileged to have been able to work with them on this. Cool. And I, I know I know for a fact from having worked with you for the last two weeks they feel the same way about you. So, uh, uh, well, guys, um, go. So I gotta say, I mean, congratulations again. This app is really cool. Um, and even if you hadn't placed tenth, which you absolutely deserve to have gotten that high in the rankings. I mean, you you know, it was a really nice piece of work. Um, it's just it's great on its own. And it was really cool to hear all the excitement leading up to it. And then you know, I went off and had a weekend and came back on Monday and. It was like, wow, look what these guys did. And then to find out that you also got recognition from the judges was very, very cool. Um, so I super appreciate you guys coming on the show. Um, uh, just a, just a, uh, one more little administrative detail. I always like to give our guests a chance to um, uh, take the mic for a minute and um, talk about anything they want to. It doesn't have to be related to Rails Rumble. So if maybe you guys don't have anything. But if anybody has anything that they're working on right now or they want to let the world know about, um, I'll give you a moment to do that now. Anybody want to speak up? I, have, I think there's one other aspect to uh, the things that we did on the Rails Rumble that I'd still like to share. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, I mentioned that there were so many different things that we wanted to do that we didn't get to. Uh, well, one of the things that, uh, that Kevin and Michael and Jared all really wanted to do was to be able to upload custom cover art for your mix. Um, and I, not being an artistic type, I thought that was a, a really ridiculous idea and that nobody would want it. Um, and I'll go on the record and, and tell uh, Kevin and Michael and Jared all that I was wrong, and that's a really cool feature um, and a lot of fun to play with, and you can see uh, some of the mixes that people are creating like that. But one of the things that was cool about our approach to that was we all agreed, uh, and none of us wanted it to be this way, but we all ultimately agreed that we wanted to get the app done and ready to ship without that feature and then add that feature because we didn't want to get in a situation where you know, we had the ability to upload custom cover art, uh, but we had other things that we thought uh, were still missing uh, when we hit the 48-hour timeline. So, so that was just really awesome. Uh, Jared knocked out a ton of bugs and things that we were fighting on Sunday morning, and he was saying the whole time, he's like, I've got this list that I'm working through, and as soon as I'm done, I'm adding the ability to upload custom cover art. Uh, and it was really cool to see that come in. I'm just, I'm, I'm pleased with the approach. It, it really felt right. Cool. That's great. Um, like I said, I want to give, make sure to give everybody a chance to uh, add anything they would like to add. Anybody else want to pitch in before we get to the final question? Okay, so uh, I think very appropriate um, to, uh, to talk about music um, on the podcast where music plays a pretty important role and especially when talking to you guys about this very cool project which also has music as a very central um, thing. And we actually had a discussion beforehand about, like as I mentioned, uh, about what the music should be. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, I totally forgot, I, before we go, I have to mention one more thing, which is your team name, right? Your team name is fantastic. Uh, Jason, maybe you can just say it for us. So the team name is Air on the Side of Too Much Bacon. Uh, so I, I don't even know if I, I, I feel like if I ask where that's from, it might, it might destroy the perfection that is that name, but I, I still have to ask. Um, and you can just say, you know what, it's better not to know, but where, where did that, what was the inspiration for that? Uh, so the inspiration for that is uh, when they announced that you needed to register, one of the things they asked you for was your team name. And I had no idea. And I looked over at Michael and I'm like, what should our team name be? Uh, and Michael's like, oh, uh, adjective noun. Uh, 
which, which I thought was funny, uh, mildly funny. Uh, and Michael and I both thought it was mildly funny, but, uh, but not quite good enough. Um, and I went home, and I was uh, driving home my, my wife and I carpool, and uh, she said to me, she was like, really, that's the team name that you came up with? Classic. You guys are so bad at naming things. She's like, why not something like, I don't know, air on the side of too much bacon? See? Boom. I just came up with that. <laughs> okay. I and so we went with it. That is amazing. Uh, that's fantastic. I hope you guys credited her somewhere. I hope her name appears somewhere in the source code. Um, I won't ask you to say whether that's true or not, Jason. We'll just assume it is. Um, cool. So anybody else have anything they want to add before we, uh, before we wind down to the music? All right. So like I said, we, uh, we had discussion here. And Jason, uh, you guys uh, came up with a... And, and I think it's very appropriate, knowing you guys the way I do, that this is the song. Um, uh, and, and I think that was what reminded me of the name, because the name is quirky and cool and creative and amusing. And um, so I'll just go ahead. What are, we, what are we playing on the way out here, Jason? Well, one of the first mixtapes that anybody made that wasn't us was called More Gangnam. Um, so we're going to check out Uber Gangnam Style. All right. So that's fantastic. That's coming up in the background right now. Um, so I have to thank you guys a ton for coming on. Uh, you know, like I said before, you, you know, having done the podcast now for a while... Um, I always wonder sometimes whether I'm going to run out of things to talk about, but then I look around and somebody has done something cool, like left and right here, and and um, and here here relevance. And so this was no exception. You know, it was just. I mean, it's like the episodes just present themselves to me, and clearly, um, you know, four guys, 48 hours, come up with something awesome, and then win. That's just amazing. You guys should all be congratulated, um, both for the recognition and for the accomplishment itself. So, thanks a ton for coming on, and I, I hope we can have you uh, have you all back again. Maybe uh, maybe by 2013, uh, uh, you guys all be recovered sufficiently, and you can do it again. And we can find out what else you've uh, what else you've come up with. But if not, I'm sure that you will individually and collectively do cool things with you now. And we'll so, thanks a lot for coming on, guys. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And this has been Think Rollins the Podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time.